My name is Paige, and just about a year later, I'm excited to say that Mike Glover is back on here with me. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me, Paige. Oh, definitely. So um, this podcast is going to be a little bit different because obviously... I already know Mike's story because I got to interview him before, so this is just going to work a little bit differently and be more of a conversation instead of so much of a tell me where everything began and how how it is that you've become who you are today. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Well, what's cool about this podcast opportunity is um, your audience in this podcast will learn more about you as well because I think there's a lot of things about you know, your motivations that are told in a couple sentences that could be talked about in detail that you don't get the opportunity because you're interviewing, you know, by default of your own uh, description via your podcast experts in their field and extracting all the information that you can to benefit other people. But there's probably a lot of beneficial things in your life and experiences that could benefit other people. And we talked about it before. Yeah. So... I'm interested kind of the the overall conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not not super great at talking about Mm -hmm. myself, um, but I don't know. You and I I connected over the podcast, and then you're just an easy person to talk to, and Mm -hmm. I was going through a ton of stuff when, or shortly after I interviewed you, and... Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, I talked to you about it, and it was very, very helpful. That's good. You... You went through some things that I think people go through all the time and, but don't necessarily know how to deal with things, you know, like there's no guidebook, right? There's no instruction manual on how to live life. And now I think more so than ever, it's just, it it is how it it is, but we don't have kind of the support networks that we maybe would have had years ago or maybe never have, have had. Um, but the interesting thing is like when you open yourself up cause you trust somebody and you maybe seek some different perspectives, it helps. And that's what, in fact, I was just talking to somebody about the reason why we podcast. One of the reason reasons why I listen to podcasts is because of that. I mean, if I can get different perspectives, which is what you would benefit from a conversation. Like if you're at the third wheel in this room, listening to this podcast, you might listen to it and go, Oh, well, that little bit of information is going to help me in my life because now I understand how to deal with it or how to navigate it. And so you, you know, personal things that were in your life and then you just needed some uh, orientation. Oh, yeah. And then you, now things are better, right? Yeah, now things, now things are a lot better. Well, also, I mean, I... I trusted you before I met you just because mm-hmm. Joan, uh, Joan Knowles spoke so highly of you mm-hmm. and everybody that I ever talked to about you had the exact same things to say about, oh my gosh, like he's a hard guy to get in touch with because he's so busy, mm-hmm. but he's incredible. And then you were the same when I actually met you. Mm-hmm. So and we'll I talk to my ex-girlfriends that. about that. <laughs> um, so you, here's, here's what's cool is, um, we were talking last night and this kind of deals in my realm with Philcraft. Um, you're actually planning a trip to go to Israel and a lot of people don't know because you don't have a Jew nose, <laughs> cute little button nose, but you are Jewish mm-hmm. 
and there's a nonprofit that's supporting you to learn about your heritage. Yeah. How does it, so what's, how did that, one, how did that come about? That's. So I, so there's this nonprofit called Birthright Mm -hmm. and um, pretty much if you have, I think it's really any sort of Jewish lineage. I happen to be lucky in the sense that all of my lineage is is Jewish. Um, And somehow I got lucky with having a smaller nose, but you know. Yeah. Um, And so uh, if you have any sort of Jewish lineage, there's this nonprofit called Birthright that will pay all expenses paid on a pay for you to take a 10 day guided tour through Israel. And for like an extra 90 bucks, you can extend your trip. And I have a lot of family out there. So I figured, you know what, this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm going to be out there for like three weeks and just do it. And there was, I'm 27 now and the cutoff for birthright used to be 26 and they, they just extended it, I think a couple years ago to age 32 Mm -hmm. and I hadn't done it before because, you know, the timing was never right. I was too busy. I had too much going on. And then at one point I just said, screw it. Like the timing's never going to be right. Mm -hmm. I'm never not going to have a lot going on. And if I don't do this now, I might never do it. Mm -hmm. And everybody I talked to, I mean, because the bulk of my family has done this and I have um, have some friends that have done it. Um, just said this is going on birthright was one of the best decisions I ever made and it was a life-changing experience. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so I'm stoked. I'm really excited. And, you know, a lot of what we were talking about last night was how to travel internationally, especially in Middle Eastern areas, and be smart about it. Mm -hmm. Are you, now that you know that you're going have you always looked at your identity as being, you know, like it is being Jewish part of your, uh, the way you signal to the world, your identity? Like, have you always been like, yeah, I'm Jewish. And, and that's like a part of your conversation of, of your intro. Kind of. I mean, I'm not super religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this may piss a lot of people off, but like, I don't think there's a huge difference between different religions. Like I think like yeah. the big goal with religions is to, help people have a community and help mm. people like be decent and be like solid, good human beings. Mm. They have different routes of getting there and different like ceremonies and, you know, you know, Jewish people look at the old Testament. Others look at, you know, the new Testament, things like that. And it's, I just don't think any of it's all that different. And so when people ask what religion I am, I'll always say like, yeah, I'm Jewish, but I'm a terrible Jew. Cause I don't like, I think they call my type of Jewishness, um, the high holiday Jews, where you literally just go to temple once a year. <laughs> the um, high holiday Jews. Yeah. That's funny. But a lot of my family is super religious. Like some of my family in Israel are like, they're Orthodox Jews. Like mm-hmm. their hair doesn't show if they have any hair showing. It's like a fake wig and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's, it's different. But I also like going to temple when I do, because you have that sense of community and it's just, it's kind of nice. But I also feel like I have that here. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a part of why like we've stayed in touch is because it's, it's familial. Mm-hmm. I feel like it can be hard to find people you really connect with and you get along with and people who are really like genuine and they're going to be just honest and straightforward. Mm-hmm. And when you find people like that, you hold on to them. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause, um, I think more so you know, religion is community, right? Religion is 
uh, identifying with your tribe. And it's also a structure for value and ethics and all kinds of good stuff. But Israel, with obviously the issues with Palestine and the Islamic world, is interesting. The history is interesting. The the position they're in is interesting. When I was in the military, I've actually trained Israeli uh, special operations guys, and I've worked with them. And so, um, you know, they they are very good at small unit tactics and surveillance and all these different technical things in special operations. And I've always thought the same thing, that their religions are the same thing, just a different path to the same thing. In fact, uh, you know, Muslim, you know, Islam as a religion, the Old Testament is in the Quran. And, you know, 800 years after Christianity, yeah, the Prophet Muhammad did start his own religion. And he was even outcasted from Mecca because of his idea that there was one God. And so this idea of one God forced him out of his own country. And then he sought basically asylum and protection from the bishop inside of Somalia um, in a church, which is ironic, again, that he sought refuge and protection from Christianity um, because of their willingness and openness to identify that he understood there was one God. And so I always think if you were to take religious leaders who were open-minded and bring them to the same table, they might be able to reference the same information and not be so wrapped around like their way is the one way to God. And it's what's cool about your opportunity is you get to see the culture. You get to see the, the way that Israelis live in their perspective. Oh yeah. But it'd be just as interesting to go, I don't know, near, near the Gaza Strip or talk to Palestinians because there are Palestinians in Israel and identify with their perspective. I mean, I would turn it culturally be really eye-opening, but I would turn it into like a investigative hmm. um, opportunity for you to kind of seek truths or a better truth in understanding what the conflict is, you know, because it's, Israel is such a beautiful country and the people are beautiful and it's amazing, but it's like, it's so much um, struggle and obstacles that lay between them and the whole entire region they're surrounded by. That's going to be an awesome opportunity for you. Oh yeah. I'm excited. I spent as much as I did on my phone. So I have all the memory space in there. Cause I, I mean, I don't know if people say yes, but I'd love to be able to interview a couple people out there yeah. because it's, I mean, what you just said is a huge part of why I started this podcast in the first place is because we're all, we're all different. We all have different backgrounds, you know, the colors of our skins are different, things like that. And we're all people like mm -hmm. we, everybody has a story. Everybody has, um, everybody has their perspective of the way things happen. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear it. And my hope, my hope with like, one of my hopes with this podcast is that people be able to, s s you know, stand in somebody else's shoes for a second and be like, oh, like, I understand that we may be living on completely opposite sides of the world and believe in completely different things, but you're just as human as I am. And mm -hmm. like, I, I get it. Yeah, I think more so audible versions of uh, media are becoming more popular. And I'm excited about that because to me, 
audio communication, audible communication is a form of, uh, what 15 years ago would have been reading a book. Mm-hmm. And so the more we could listen and in between our times where we're not doing potentially anything, we're commuting, we're sitting on our ass, we're, um, in the gym and that we could listen to experiences that are especially positive, like you're, what you're doing, then it could, it, it doesn't have to be positive. It could be the controversy between things where people were trying to figure things out. Then it's more beneficial. Um, do you have any fears going to Israel for, for security? Are you, Oh yeah. Are you intimidated? Have you ever been outside the country? Ah, uh, I, this barely counts, but I've been to Mexico and I've been to Canada. Yeah, that barely counts. <laughs> it counts a little bit, but <laughs> crossing those, the seas is completely different. You're going to be immersed in this culture. Yeah, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Because even just like traveling through the U.S., you get to see like a bunch of different cultures. Yeah. But this is a whole other world. Are you, what are some of the things equipment-wise, because I know we were talking a little bit about some things that you have planned in advance. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you have bought and sought in order to be ready for the trip? Um, let's see. Well, I just bought a, a very fancy backpack because 5.11 was having an amazing sale mm-hmm. um, that has uh, that has room for um, a ton of stuff, including like a med kit and um, what's it called? Like a, uh, like a bladder for yeah. water. Yeah, yeah. And then I just bought that pen last night, mm-hmm. like a tactical pen, mm-hmm. so that I can... You know, you obviously you can't fly with a gun or with a knife, so mm-hmm. this will be my version of like staying safe. And then actually what we were talking about last night too, I need to buy new shoes because um, one of the things we talked about last night was making sure you have enough that if, if shit hits the fan, you're okay for 72 hours. Mm-hmm. And none of my shoes, I don't think any of my shoes would hold up well enough for 72 hours if I, you know if I needed to be on the run type of thing. Mm. So I definitely want to do that. I need to buy some new shirts because all of my, uh, I don't know when this happened, but like 95% of my shirts are like, you know, live loyal and American flags and survival Mm. and stuff like that. And um, I don't, I know I look super American Mm. and I don't want to emphasize that by, you know, having a giant American flag on my back. Yeah. Which is, you know, we talked about reducing your signature mm-hmm. and that's just a protocol for a lot of environments. But I even thought about last night after I told you, you know, a lot of people think maybe because special operations has a mystique in low vis operations, but you're not fooling anybody, you know, like even when special operations guys, when I used to do low vis operations, I was probably the best at getting away with it in certain countries like Afghanistan Whereas there's a huge Asian influence. So if I grow my beard and I wear the traditional hats and man jams and I could potentially look like a Nuristani or somebody who's from the Hindu Kush. Um, but if I go into Israel and I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt with tattoos, an American flag shirt, um, even certain types of hats and dress, um, you potentially don't want to stand out like that, but maybe you do. Maybe you want to be the tourist Mm -hmm. because in the funneling of tourism, maybe there's agreements between governments or organizations, maybe even terrorist organizations that, yeah, we, there's certain people we mess with, but there's certain people we don't because we know if we, you know, and I've heard this before. uh, That's what I'm saying. It, if a terrorist organization targets the economy of a country by targeting tourists, then 
that's an attack on, you know, the uh, democratic government, the sovereignty of that nation. And then they'll go to, to, to war with those people as opposed to, you know, being on the outskirts and taking advantage of opportunities of terrorist type opportunities. And so your operational environment is going to dictate your posture and your signature. But a lot of times I always tell people like if they go inside of a country, think about how the local populace looks and lives and pack light. Like I love packing light one because I hate carrying a lot of crap on me. I want to stay mobile, but also I want to be able to go into that country and take advantage of blending in with the culture. Like I want to go to the local bazaar or the local shopping centers and buy what they wear because I want to fit in. Um, and you with a few wardrobe changes could fit in. I mean, you have dark hair, light eyes, which is indicative of uh, certain, the majority of Israel. And so you won't necessarily stand, stand out. Um, what, what have you thought about, you know, you're going to be there for an extended period of time. Yeah. I'm assuming you're going to live in a hotel or housing. Yeah. I think we're, I need to look at the itinerary again, but we move around quite a bit. So Mm -hmm. like for those, for those 10 days that I'm technically on birthright, we'll be staying in like several different places between like hotels and hostels. Because you're moving around. Yeah. I think we stay on a kibbutz for a period of time too. A what? A kibbutz. It's like a, uh, this is where my lack of being a good Jew really kicks in. Um, so it's pretty much where it's, it's a community of people that all live in a particular particular place and they all work together to like farm the land and kind of keep everything going really which is again a terrible explanation yeah um that's cool yeah and uh and then for the remaining like you know a couple weeks i'll be i'll be with my cousins um, who just had a baby so that'll be a lot of fun that's awesome yeah um when you think about all the stuff that you're doing with the podcast and just like your day-to-day like living your life. Are you, do you feel like you're living like your purpose or your dream or what's you have to get to a point, right? Where you're living your purpose. Mm-hmm. Your dream. Like I feel like I'm living literally every day, living my purpose, oh, yeah. which I couldn't say years ago, maybe even two years ago, but now I'm to that point. And so many people are broken because they feel like something's missing and more than likely it's because they feel like they're not living their purpose. So are, do you feel like you're living that? And if not, what is, what is your purpose? Yeah, that's a good, a really good hard question. Mm -hmm. Um, so in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. So like what I do in regards to this podcast and what I do in regards to training service dogs for vets, like that feels so, so good to me. And like, it's just like, there are things I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. And then the way I make money is through working for Marriott, Mm -hmm. which has been an amazing company to work for. Like now that I've gotten this big promotion, like I really am enjoying what I do and I like the team I'm on and all of that. Um, at some point I'd really, I'd really love to be at a place where I'm not doing that, where I just like, I just train dogs and I have this podcast and that's how I make money and I make good money doing it. And that's like, 
the things that I do in my life are solely what I'm passionate about. And it's been something I've, and I know we were talking a little bit about this the other day, it's been something I've been struggling with lately because especially with this new job, I'm busier than I was before. And I felt like I was pretty busy before and it's hard for me to find the time to make it all fit. And so between being in training in Orlando for a couple weeks and then starting this new job and figuring it all out, um, I haven't been able to be as consistent as I want to be with this podcast. And that's, that's a big thing for me. Like, um, consistency, consistency, staying true to your word. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. They're just, they're really important things to me. And so it's, uh, it's been a little bit of a struggle figuring out how to, how to make it all fit. Hmm. So the uh, answer, well, no, that's not at all. The, the object, so the objective would be to get to a point in which you're living your passions, uh, and doing that for a living. Yeah. I'd love for that. And then the two passions are training dogs for, for veterans. Well, one, how did you get, cause I don't think people, do people know that about you? Maybe mildly. You if they've read the blog post then. Yeah. Nobody reads they anymore. Might. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people <laughs> don't know how to read anymore. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um, I love buying magazines cause I, I love magazines. I grew up with magazines. That's how I learned new information and guns and survival and adventure. And I used to read them religiously, like always. Now, if I buy a magazine, I never read it. Like I don't read the words. I just look at pictures yeah. and, 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 uh, bypass. Um, you and me both, which I feel, I feel bad about because it's like, I'm telling people, Hey, guess what? A new blog post is up. Please go read it. And you, like, you read your own blog. You don't even proofread it. <laughs> I, I do proofread it. Although I do, uh, I don't know. I was rereading something the other day. I was like, how did I miss this? This isn't even English. Yeah, like, Cause you scan, scan in blocks. It's like our attention span. So it's awful. So how did you get into training? Well, one, what, what do you do with service dogs and how did you get into that? Yeah. So I, um, I've been with Labs for Liberty, uh, for just over two years now. Mm -hmm. And And that's where I got Pearl from. If you guys are curious. And if you aren't following Pearl on Instagram, you really ought to, because she has the cutest Instagram. Service, service dog underscore, underscore Pearl. Yeah. And she's honestly, she's as sweet as in person as she is yeah, she's sweet. on Instagram. She's um, legit. <laughs> and uh, she's been training our puppy the last couple days too. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, my my like official position with Lobster Liberty is I'm one of the one of the trainers. I guess I'm one of the lead trainers. I'm not like the lead lead trainer, but um, God, I can't remember the actual position's name. It's. Um, Oh my God. Well, lead, lead trainer. Yeah. Lead, lead trainer. The leadest. Um, no, <laughs> no. So like what, what I do is I've done a couple different things. Sometimes I'll take a dog that's struggling and needs a little extra help and we'll fix the dog, get him back on track. Mm-hmm. Other times I'll just, just do task training. So like Bear, for instance, um, he was a little bit of both. He was a giant hundred pound yellow lab and he needed to be on point for his veteran because he has a lot of, his vet has a lot of mobility issues, is in a lot of pain, things like that. And um, so I needed to teach him how to be able to um, like carrying groceries and take off socks and open doors. No, he already knew how to open doors, but like things along those lines. So 
we fixed him and then also did task training. Um, and then with some of the dogs, like Charlie, um, the yellow lab we just had, we had him from eight weeks old just about until he was gifted. Um, and usually, you know, you trade off with some trainers to make sure that the dog is getting everything that it needs and actually also be able to have another set of eyes on the dog too. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a lot. I love it though. It's so, so hard to say goodbye, but then seeing the difference that it makes in somebody's life, mm-hmm. like Bear's veteran, he was walking, I think he said it was like 200 meters and he would be in so much pain by the end of that walk that he would be out for the rest of the day. And now that he is Bear, he's, the last time we talked, he was up to walking like two miles a day. Wow. And yeah, so it... So does it... There's part of, I'm, I'm assuming you find joy in building the consistency, right? So you, you're very consistent, very committed to the, to the, the, the end state of helping somebody out. Yeah. And helping somebody like you, who's like, who is willing to give everything, who's willing to give the ultimate sacrifice for the greater good. So that mm-hmm. like, you know. We're not in Afghanistan where I'm, I'm okay wearing capris right now and I can walk, if we need to go to the grocery store, I could go by myself and not be in fear. Mm -hmm. I can carry a gun and that's totally okay. If somebody were to mess with me, there are legal consequences to that. And that might not be the case if there weren't people fighting for those freedoms. So it's a way to also like give back and say, thank you. Yeah. Um, but how I got involved in it all is, um, so one of Parker's old roommates, Jake, was, so we work a lot with the University of Utah, and he was like the, the president of the campus club at the university where we get a lot of, uh, we get a lot of the fosters. Um, and he had been gifted a dog um, named Brody, who's a chocolate lab. And I was blown away when I met him because I grew up with two labs and they were great dogs and I love them a lot. And they also almost made me not want to have dogs anymore. And I love animals, but they had so much energy. And if they didn't have so many walks a day or if they didn't have so many ball throws a day, it sucked. It sucked big time. They were like on you, like white on rice. And I was like, if this is what it's like, yeah. I, like, I don't want this. This is more of a chore versus mm-hmm. enjoyment. And when I saw a lab who's, you know, quote unquote, a high energy dog being as on point as Brody was, I was just like, you're do like the mission is to help veterans and hopefully save some lives. And also, you know how to train dogs so that they're like that, so that they heal and they're right next to you. They know how to post like they know how to do everything. It's like, I, I want to learn how to do that. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I got involved. And then Parker, um, Parker and I both were just like, we, we want to be involved in any capacity we can be. And so then we kind of like dove in head first. And you, it's all volunteer. You don't get paid for this. All volunteer work. Yep. It's, uh, and the dogs are gifted completely, completely free of charge. So it's. Every donation definitely goes a long way because mm-hmm. dogs are not, I mean, they're less expensive than horses, but they're not inexpensive by a long shot. Mm-hmm. So then you started the podcast and the podcast, you know, we had in-depth conversations about you wanting to lean forward with the podcast mm-hmm. and um, 
you formulated kind of the plan to do that and you executed, right? Cause you, it's on iTunes, it's on SoundCloud, it's mm-hmm. all over the internet and you have a social media following. How has that gone? Um, it's, it's been mixed in a lot of ways. It's been really wonderful. Um, if I, if like looking at the, like the actual interviewing people part of it, it's been a dream. Like I've gotten to talk to people that I admire so, so much and I've learned so much from every conversation and I feel like it's, hopefully it's helped other people. Um, and it's helped me a ton too, because it just, I learn from every conversation I have and I try to implement the things that I learn into my life and it helps me be a better person. Um, and it's just, I've always wanted to interview people. I've always, I've always loved hearing stories, especially inspirational stories. Mm -hmm. And so that, that part of it has been an absolute dream. And I still can't believe a lot of the people who've said who've said yes to me interviewing them. It's just like, you don't, like you, you didn't have to take, one, you didn't have to take the time out of the day, out of your day to even talk to me, but then also to like mentor me through this all has been like, it's just been amazing. And there, there are a lot of people similar who are just like, you give a shit about making a difference, so I'm going to help you with that, which Mm -hmm. is... Well, it's a whole... Wonderful. I think my mindset on it too is this whole paying it forward thing, right? It's... It's if we, and I say we in the context of Phil Kraft because, you know, f- to me, Phil Kraft is a breathing, it should be sought as a breathing entity that kind of flows and progresses and adapts and develops. And I want everybody to know that if we're doing something, it's because we care. And if we help somebody, whether that's reading a post and overcoming an obstacle of fear and anxiety or become better prepared because they want to be more reliant, more self-reliant, that they continue to pay it forward in teaching their tribe or their community or mentoring somebody else. Because that kind of reciprocation, that kind of uh, progression is how societies mend themselves. Um, and I think, I don't think there's enough of that, right? There's, there's too many incentives that are driven by greed. And, you know, when I, even as a company, that's obviously a business, I don't use the model of monetizing. I use the model of providing value and without the idea that we're going to be reciprocated with monetization. And so it's a difficult business model, obviously. But I think when it comes to like developing or mending your tribe or your community or even your friends and family, that it's the only way to to do it. And so one, your podcast is an excellent podcast, but what, what has, what are the challenges that you face? Um, part of part, one of the challenges I faced is, uh, finding really legitimate people because I mean, everybody has a wonderful story, but Mm. you, you don't necessarily know who's going to be really honest with you and who's not. Mm -hmm. And so the people I interview, I try to vet them in one way or another to make sure they're legitimate. And I've done the best I can with that thus far. Um, and then also 
like I said, everybody does have an incredible story, but it's also, it's, it's not even so much about having an incredible story. It's about people who've lived like multiple lives because somebody could ha- be doing amazing things. And it's like, you've been doing one thing for your whole life. Like that's great and good for you. And also like, that might not be the most interesting story. Mm-hmm. So finding those people, finding, um, making scheduling work out because it's, it's really expensive to travel to someone to do a podcast in person. Um, I did that once and it was, it was great. And, um, super expensive, super expensive. Um, and phone interviews, they're fine. They're just not my favorite. It's hard to connect with somebody as well that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gaining that social media attraction has been so difficult, especially with like the way the algorithms work and stuff like that. It's like, if somebody isn't like consistently liking my things, I, like I'm like non-existent to them on social media. And so that's been, been a little bit tricky and also like a little bit hard to keep my head up with it all sometimes because it's like, I want, I want to see results. Like I want to, like, I want to feel like this is moving forward. I want to see the numbers and things like that. And the thing that I try to focus on to like not get too discouraged is like, this is something I really love. And it's at least making a difference in my life. And hopefully it's making a difference in at least a couple other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole goal. Like the numbers and things like that aren't as important as the reason I started this in the first place, which was to give people a voice and an opportunity to tell their story because I feel like it's easy for everybody to have an opinion about everything and then in turn just shut somebody down and shut their voice down because it's not the way this other person saw things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, like I said, to walk in somebody else's shoes and hopefully inspire people because I feel like it's easy to, it's easy to look at somebody who's successful and think they haven't struggled or they're not human or, you know, oh, well, you have such a big following. So, you know, you're, you know, you're really special and, you know, your skin glows or something. It's like, no, like everybody's human and everybody's just as screwed up as everybody else. Mm. Um, but yeah, those are, those are some of the things I've struggled with. And one of the things I've been struggling with lately is kind of remembering why I started it all in the first place because life has gotten so busy. Um, I've struggled with the consistency, like for the last month, which I'm not, I'm not proud of, but it's just kind of, the way things have gone lately. Um, just not enough hours in the day type of thing. And um, trying to, and it started to feel a little bit tedious, like making sure like I do enough posts and wanting to make them like mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the women who throw up, you know, bikini pictures, but that's not what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I did that, I'm sure... You blow up the internet. Yeah, something like that. But I just, I don't, I don't want to put women like that down. I just, that's not what I'm going to do. You, you know, originally we had talked about consistency Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I, I think so many people, like we get, we get wrapped around data points, you know, you go on your SoundCloud Pulse account and you see the analytics and it doesn't feel real. And so a lot of the times when we read or measure analytics, we say, oh, we have 500 people instead of 2,000 people listening to the podcast. And that just doesn't seem like enough because it's just a number. It's just a five and a zero and a zero. 
And what I always try to remember is, you know, even if you take your lowest played podcast and you put all those people in a room, um, you know, when I, I did a survival seminar in Phoenix and it was free to the public and it was all about preparedness. It was all about survival psychology. It was like, Hey, what can you do to increase your chances of living instead of dying? We had 300 people show up, you know, 300 people. When you look at them and their faces and their experiences and they come and shake your hand after the fact, you realize the potential impact that you could have because you get, it's tangible. So technology doesn't allow us to translate a tangible understanding of our environment. Mm -hmm. So we get wrapped around data points. And my ideology in it has always been, if you look at those numbers as people, you know, if your lowest ranked podcast has 500 listens, that's 500 human beings that are potentially telling their friends or who cares if they don't tell their friends that maybe you have planted a seed that or your guest has planted a seed that might change their lives forever. That's super impactful. And so we, we lose kind of the, the purpose, which allows us facilitates us not being consistent because we get defeated because we're not looking at the right recipe. We're not looking at the right things that measure and matter. Um, and so you should always remember that Two, that, you know, when you initially said, if I found purpose, in the things that I was passionate about and did those things for a living, then I would be uh, happy or fulfilled, maybe. You're already doing it. And the two things that you're doing, yes, you could monetize, but you're doing so without monetization, which is the first step in living your passion, right? It never is as easy as you start something that you're passionate about as a hobby and you start making money because you start to lose all the virtue in it. If you don't have virtue in the selflessness of the things that you do, then you can monetize. So you are at the point where you go, you know, I've done these things because I'm passionate about it and I understand the model, right? But you most importantly understand the virtue. Now it's kind of giving you the keys to the kingdom, which is now I understand the full picture where I didn't get paid anything. I busted my ass and didn't get any reciprocation, any incentives, but I did it for the right reasons. And that's important in developing a business model around a virtue. You can't do that. You can't do that. The cart before the horse way, you're doing it the right way. And so now deliberately looking at your life and wanting to give back, wanting to do podcast. Now you have to identify kind of the measurables of how do I make money from doing this? Um, and maybe you don't, maybe you never do. And that's okay because you're living your selflessness. I mean, you're giving back in everything that you do. Even being here when you could be hiking or shooting guns or doing something what you would deem as fun, you're living your purpose, communicating your ideas, your thoughts, and trying to be positive. So there's something to be said about that and never get bogged down by or defeated by your own head. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what's beneficial about perspective is it's analysis of the big picture outside of your own head. And so inside your head, you're going to easily get defeated because you're only measuring certain things that you think that matter. And sometimes they don't matter at all. Um, but you're doing a good job. I think you're doing great. Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. One of the other things I've tried to figure out how to do is like, there've been some, uh, couple intense things that have happened over the last couple of years mm-hmm. that, you know, I like one of the things I try to do in my blog and in social media posts that I do is be inspiring and be honest and have like what I contribute to social media, not be, Oh, Hey, look, I live this beautiful, perfect life. And you know, you know, I never spill toothpaste on my shirt type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like this, there are certain things like I'm not willing to talk about. And sometimes like I ended up talking about it, but right like a couple months before we gifted Charlie, he went to work with another trainer to, you know, have that second look and also work on his energy levels around other dogs and stuff like that. And it like, it was so hard for me. Like I was not in a great spot for a couple weeks because of it. And, um, and I had a blog post I had to get up and I'm like, I have no idea what to talk about because I don't want to talk about this because it's too hard and it's too personal and nobody needs to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of anything else. So I just said, screw it. And I wrote about it, but there are other things that have gone on. Um, some of which we've talked about where it's like, I, nobody, like nobody needs to know this. This isn't even something I share with like most of my friends. Mm-hmm. And how do you figure out how to be honest and make a difference and also, like have your own privacy, mm. you know? Yeah. The balance, the balance is obviously in the, in the details of, of that question. Um, one of the things that I like to do is one, I, when my life was dramatic, it was super great content, right? Cause I could publicly relate to a lot of people who are going through the same struggle. And so I understand that people as a standard operating procedure live struggle and, and to think that we don't is the wrong perspective to live your life. So many people expect they have, they don't have the right expectation management, which is they think that people live perfect lives and to get to perfection, you have to live a life without struggle. When the reality is your life should be filled with struggle in order to grow. I mean, at the cellular level, cells and life doesn't grow and flourish and adapt and overcome without struggle, without stress, um, down to the chemical process of it. So when I look at my life without struggle, I, I am optimistic. Um, I'm positive, but when I go through these phases of life struggles, which is normal, I don't necessarily have to talk about the details personally that are afflicting me like minute by minute, whether it's stress, whether, whether it's relationships or career, financial burdens, whatever it may be. But you can articulate to the world that, hey, if you're going through personal relationship issues, I understand the struggle. 
here are some things that I'm doing to get through the struggle. And the great thing about struggle is you never appreciate it until you look back on it. But it, it helps you get a better, a broader perspective of how to be a better person. And I'm assuming that situation, your personal situation with your family, um, with your friends and all the issues that you're going through wouldn't have put you in a better headspace than you are now without the struggle. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you learn a lot from it. Mm -hmm. What I've found is like with content, I mean, content for us is easier, but you don't have to be inspirational. You could tell ugly truths, um, in your own way, in your own voice and evoke thinking, like evoke emotion where people have to ask the question. And so if I have content, I, I sometimes tell the ugly truth and sometimes people don't like that, but it will evoke emotional. It it will evoke a response to people asking themselves the question. Like yesterday we posted on about security and this is slightly different, obviously, but it was a video with TSA officials at a checkpoint. And they were at a scanner, which is the scanner that you get checked for metal or for things that you're carrying through the airport. And some guy rushed the checkpoint. He knocked over a female TSA agent on her back. He basically, you know, bum rushed her and pushed her on the ground. She laid it in the fetal. The guy next to her was another TSA agent, did absolutely nothing. One guy tried to address it and he ran into him and try to take him down and he was assaulted. And then a whole bunch of other TSA representatives stood around and couldn't do much, which is not surprising. But, but the whole post was about security. And the post said, is security this illusion? Is security something that we create in order for us to feel better about the situation? Right? You put a guard outside of your door and you go, now I feel relaxed, but is it an illusion? Because is that person truly capable? Are they capable of defending life? Well, you'll know in that post that absolutely they weren't prepared to defend, to defend life. If that person had a gun, if that person had ill intention outside of assault, he would have killed a lot of people. And so that in itself evokes a lot of, of questions, which is, am I living a complacent life uh, disillusioned by my, my reality and quotations. So you don't necessarily have to always drive, um, inspiration, which means a feel good feeling after they read the, the post. Sometimes the best content is the ugly content that we don't necessarily want to talk about. The great thing about your podcast is it fits so many demographics. It, it has a market, which is the world. And so, so many people can relate to it because it's so different in how you question and evoke people's um, life experiences. With that being said, the content in itself is from the people that you interview, which is great, right? When I do a podcast that's an hour long, I think that's 10 years of content. I could cut, dissect it, do all kinds of things in different variations and forms. And... If you track one analytic, if you look at Instagram insights and following and comments, 
you are limiting yourself and your ability to grow by thinking that your store in the mall is the best business opportunity you have and not realizing there's a world outside of that mall, outside of Instagram that could benefit you. Um, so I think, you know, honestly, I think your content's great. I know the struggle that you go through in separating personal and professional, but people can benefit from that. Like the, the whole story, which I don't want to, if you don't want to talk about it, um, I'm okay talking about generals. Yeah. The, the whole story, even in general terms will benefit people because that's, what's real. That's what's real about life. Cause Nine out of 10 listeners are going to hear that and go, it wasn't that person in my life, but it was this person in my life. I get that. And that's what life is. Like when we had the barbecue yesterday with everybody coming over to the house, everybody's living the same struggles with the same drama. I mean, I have friends down the road who are going through issues with their work and they come here and they, they talk about it. They get perspective. We communicate about it and their life may be improved from that because they get that perspective, but everybody in their own way is going through that struggle. Yeah. So you're using your pedestal to, um, get better perspective and then offer your audience that better perspective. I think that's, what's beneficial about your platform. Thanks. Thank so, you. Thank so you let's me a ton with that. Well, let's talk about the generalities of it. I mean, you were going through some issues well, I'll let you say. But, uh, um, yeah, so let's see. In order to talk about generals, I have to back up a little bit. So um, I, let's see. God, I suck about talking about this even if it's not recording. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so, um, so I grew up in California. And, you know, fast forward like, you know, 20-something years. Mm -hmm. um, I moved to... Southern Utah to live with my dad and my stepmom. They were starting, they were starting a new business. I wanted to, I was really interested in entrepreneurial business and I wanted to learn more about it. Um, and so I ended up working with them and, or with them for them and ended up living with them, which, you know, I learned a ton. I learned a ton, a ton. And also like living and working with family is exactly what you think it'd be. It's, it's a lot. It's tough. Mm -hmm. Um, and it didn't always go as, as well as I would have liked. Um, and you know, with stuff like that, you know, it always takes two to tango. Like I'm so, so far from perfect and they're far from perfect too. Um, so a struggle, interpersonal struggles, yeah, interpersonal struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what I ended up doing is, and this took, a lot of thought. Um, as you know, I tend to think things through and then rethink them through a couple mm -hmm. times. Um, I decided, you know what, I need, like, this This isn't working. Like, And I was living in southern Utah is a pretty, like, small town-ish area, and I was living about an hour outside of, um, like, St. George. Um, and I was in my early to mid-20s, which was a tough age to like be so so far out of like a big city for me at least um and I never thought I liked big cities that much I've 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 really always enjoyed like nature and the out and you know like the outdoors and animals and things like that but it was a little socially was a problem right? exactly yeah. so I decided I'm going to go on a trip I've been working 
a ton for like two and a half years. This is for the family business. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, you know what, Um, I'm going to take a trip just through the U.S. on my own and visit Mm. family and friends. And I must have spent over a thousand dollars in one day booking all of my plane tickets. But I was just like, screw it. I need to do this. I need to figure out what I'm doing with my life, who I am, what I want, things like that. And, um, and I did it. I went to, uh, Salt Lake and then Vegas and Philly and DC and New York and North Carolina and LA. And yeah, it was, it was an amazing trip. Um, and through that trip, which also kicked my butt, because like as much as I enjoyed it, it is so hard for me not to have a plan and not to know like my next several steps. And I had no idea what I was doing. Why'd you do that? Was it, was it a, like a calling? It was kind of, yeah. I was like, I need to figure this stuff out because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't. Isn't that interesting though? Like, so you try to fit, you, you can't figure things out. So your calling is, I, I, cause I hear this often. The calling is. I'm just going to go out in the world mm-hmm. and explore. Yeah. It's like a pioneering thing. I just heard a, a NPR uh, podcast about moving forward. And, and it talked about this woman who lost her child or at, six, at uh, 10 or 11 weeks, lost her father five days later, and then lost her husband from brain cancer six weeks later. And then she basically got in a van and, and traveled with her son um, across the United States. And you did the same thing. Yeah. Just with, uh, much smaller th- things because that's, yeah. God, that sounds intense. So you, you did but, that a- yeah. across the United States, but you were completely outside of your comfort zone. I mean, you, Oh, completely. Oh, that's completely. Cause I never yeah. like traveled like that by myself before, mm-hmm. even though I was going to visit like, pr- like, the majority of the places I went, I had friends and family that I was staying with. It was still like, these are decisions that I'm making. This is a trip that I've planned. I'm the one that's responsible for me. Like I'm not answering to anybody. Like I'm figuring this stuff out on my own. And, um, towards the middle of the trip, um, I, uh, how do I say this? Um, Let's see. Let let me put it this way. Um, I didn't know where I was going to be living Mm -hmm. afterwards. um, And I didn't know where I was going to be working afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I just had to take a lot of deep breaths during the trip because I was like, this is the only way for me to figure things out is for me to actually like sit in the unknown and be okay with that. Because what I was finding is that like the more I was so focused on figuring things out and having a plan, the more I would just take a shit plan and be like, okay, like I'm just going to do this because I can't sit in the unknown. God forbid, like I don't know what I'm doing next. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was tired of that. I was tired of just like jumping from one thing to the next, just to like feel safe. Um, and I wanted to actually enjoy what I was doing and like feel passionate about something. Um, and so I went to DC for literally a day. Like I took a bus from Philly to DC, um, because I figured I can't be on the East coast and not go. And I went to this museum called the Newseum. And it's, if, if, if you ever go to DC, like you have to go there, it's really cool. Um, and they had this exhibit of all of, I think it was like all of the Pulitzer Prize winning photography for like the last 50 years. 
and it I was the only one in there for some weird reason um but it blew my mind I mean some of the pictures they were all like gorgeous but there was one picture in particular where it was like these little kids in barely any clothes running away from a bomb that was exploding Wow! and it was in some foreign country and I was just like my eyes filled up I was like this they're they're like there's a teeny tiny caption here um but this is just just by looking at this picture it has transported me to a whole other world and I feel like I'm able to gain a greater understanding of the fact that like not everybody lives the way we do in America and not everybody has the luxury of like, you know, going down the street and buying a sandwich and being able to have food and I can walk down the street without being afraid that there's a bomb gonna go off. And- um, This is in the middle of this trip. Yeah, yep. Wow. Yep, this was during my like month that I was uh, between Philly and New York and, you know, for a day in DC. And I thought I, I don't know what this looks like. I like, but I want to figure out how to contribute in this way. Like, I want to be able to make a difference. I want to be able to transport people to another world and help them understand what it's like to live in somebody else's shoes and not just, you know, post about like, oh, you know, oh my God, do you think this like bikini makes my butt look big? And it's just like nobody gives a shit. Like, you know, it's just that's so. And I mean, like, if girls want to do that, you know, you well, it's do artificial. You. It's f- it's fake. Like, it nobody cares matter. about your butt, and mm-hmm. doesn't matter in the big context of things. Mm-hmm. Especially for like people who have like a big following and people who are really looked up to. It's like you could do something with that. Like, you really could. Um, and so I didn't know if it was like, okay, do I want to get into photojournalism or do I want mm-hmm. to, um, you know, be an investigative journalist or do I want to get into documentaries? Like, I had no idea, but I just knew I wanted to do something with that because it made such a difference in my life. Um, and then did a lot of thinking, and I have a background in, like, theater and stuff like that. So I was like, well, maybe documentary filmmaking is it because that, you know, brings together, like, that creative side of me. It could make a difference. Maybe I get into, like, the produce producing side of things, so it brings in the business because, of course, I have an idea, and now I'm just, like... I got to figure it all out and have it all in place right away. Um, And so then right after Philly, I was in New York for a week and I was like, you know what? I have an idea. I'm just going to run with it. And so um, I, I ended up doing a lot of research online and finding like all the people who had made it into Sundance, like the last couple of years, the Sundance film festival. And I looked at all of like, the documentary filmmakers who made it and I sent out a a ton of emails to all of them saying like this is who I am this is what I'm trying to do um like I was pretty much asking either for a job an unpaid internship paid internship any way I could somehow get involved and a couple people were kind enough to get back to me and nobody had like any form of work or anything so um and I reached out to a lot of people um (laughs) and so I was like okay um and I fell in love with New York. So I was like, this would be so cool if I could. I ended up meeting with somebody in New York. And when people talk about there being shady people in the film industry, it was it was weird. He was a little bit weird. But thankfully, it was in a coffee shop and everything was okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, and my next stop was North Carolina. And I ended up staying out there for, I think it was like a month. Um, 
and I decided and I talked to a couple people who I'm trying to remember how I got in touch with them oh no it was one of one of the women I think she was a producer director something that I had reached out to emailed me back she's like I don't have any work for you but these are my suggestions and everything she suggested made made total sense but I couldn't do what she suggested so I figured the next best thing is for me to go back to school and so because what she suggested is immerse yourself in this industry um, make connections um, work in any way that you possibly can and just start to get experience. And I was like, well, I'm not finding any opportunities to do that. So I can do that through school. And I pushed the pause button on school years ago because the business, yeah, I wanted to learn through experience instead of being in school. And I was a little burnt out. Um, so I started researching schools and that was how I spent the bulk of my time in North Carolina. Um, that and eating pastries and coffee shops. Um, and then um, from there, I figured schools don't start for another, like, I think it was like seven months. And I needed to get out of where I was living because it just wasn't working. And the closest big city that I could move to so that I didn't feel like I was losing my mind in a small town um, was Salt Lake. So I got like a, I think it was like a seven month lease in Salt Lake. And my plan was to um, apply to schools while I was living there. And then hopefully by the end of those seven months, I would know where I was gonna go to school so that I could move there and then go headlong into that. Um, I ended up getting a job once I moved to Salt Lake in the production industry um, and was definitely the squeaky wheel that eventually got the grease because I just didn't give up. Um, that ended up not being a great situation. And then I found another production job and so on and so forth. Um, and eventually, um, during, during that whole time, I had some rough stuff happen with, uh, with family that kind of kicked my butt quite a bit, um, and got into therapy because I couldn't, couldn't handle it it was really it was really hard um and uh and it kind of made me question who I was and what I was doing and whether or not I was a good person and whether or not like I was who I thought I was and um and that is a big part of why I'm so grateful for the friends who have become family in my life because they they were the people that really, them and my therapist were the people that yeah. helped me get through it. Were you being judged? I mean, is that ultimately what it was? Yeah, it was, I was being judged and I was being accused of things that I wasn't responsible for. Mm. Um, and despite how much I said I hadn't done the things I was being accused of, um, sometimes people haven't already always knowing. Mm. And so that's why it drives me crazy if anybody ever tries to tell me like, well, I know you're saying this, but this is how you really feel. And I'm just like, well, yeah. Okay, then. Well, this conversation I'm is. I'm glad over. reality's in your head and not mine exactly. for my work, like what I'm doing. Please tell me what's going on yeah. for me because that's going to go super well and definitely doesn't make me want to punch you in the face. Yeah. Um, and so that was a huge, huge growing experience for me. And um, uh, 
a lot of crying, a lot of depression, a lot of just, I was extra, extra grateful for the friends who became family and extra grateful for the dogs because I just. In a way that was your own therapy, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it, it enabled me to focus on things outside of myself. Um, and then, and then from there, like the production industry just wasn't super reliable and mm-hmm. I was working multiple jobs at a time and none of them were ever quite enough. And I never knew when I was going to have work and stuff like that. And so I applied to over 50 different places. I was just like, Parker and I actually had a conversation about it. So I was like, no, I want to do something in the industry. Like I'm, you know, I'm like, what, I think it was 25. I was like, I don't want to have just some job. And he's like, Paige, like you have to pay bills. Exactly. So I was like, okay, screw it. And screw my pride. Like maybe I'm going to work at Trader Joe's and that's fine. Um, and then I started working for Marriott, and now we're here. Long story long. <laughs> no, it's documentary filmmaking is one of my dreams. It's like that is on my bucket list. I didn't know that. That's the next thing I will do with the right team and the right capital because I love telling stories the right way. Mm-hmm. So the creative is important. Well, when you do that want to be involved in some some way or another because that would be amazing so an amazing what's interesting about that story is like the insight that I feel like you personally grew with the decision to get outside your comfort zone you know we we teach that obviously in survival where if you want to develop the more resilient mindset if you kind of want to grow personally from something um, difficult. Sometimes the best way is to get away, to get a different perspective, mm-hmm. because it's hard to understand the dilemma of your situation and the difficulties or the way out unless you get away. Yeah, that was, and that was one of the things that really hit me while I was traveling. Is like I thought I was like screwed up and I had problems other people didn't have, and I was just you know more screwed up than everybody else, and I. You know, I got outside of myself and I started to find out that everybody struggled with the same things and everybody was just as screwed up as I was. I wonder how many people who looked at the picture that you looked at and were inspired by saw that same thing and were and sought inspiration, you know? I hope so. That's my dream job. So my dream job is obviously by my social media, you could tell I'm like into photography because I have more war pictures than I do anything else. And those are only war pictures of me like of actual things at war I have thousands of photos and when I got out of the military I actually considered becoming a photojournalist or a correspondent or war photojournalist and because I think it's important to paint pictures with image and so much could be said or unsaid with a, a picture Oh yeah. And so I wonder if that, like, I don't know, it's just interesting because that was your inspiration. And then maybe, you know, the difficult thing in producing or being part of a production that does or not podcast, but, um, documentaries is it's very political, especially if you don't own the capital. And so I always thought I would never get involved with a project outside of my own in that Mm -hmm. sense. And you don't have to be, a millionaire to start to make a documentary. I mean, you can make a documentary with your phone. Oh yeah. You can go to Israel on with your phone, turn it around, take all the 
the imagery, the video, and put it together and make your own documentary to tell a picture, to tell a story. That's actually a really good idea. Which would be cool. And Parker has a GoPro that I could I could take with me too. Why not? Strap it to my head the whole time. Why not? Yeah. That'd be that'd be amazing. I I don't know. I want you to live that dream because that's all. That's my dream. I mean, my dream is to tell the story and do documentaries on topics that you could do like the long form version of and explain in detail, like what's going on. Why is this a problem? Like even homelessness, I talk about that a lot. I'd love to do a story on the homelessness situation in America and then, you know, ways to fix it, you know, identify the problem, but come up with some solutions. Yeah, because I feel like it's it's so easy to get wrapped up in your life and not see the way other people live and what else is going on in the world. And that's the thing I love about documentaries is it's just like it doesn't I mean, it requires listening, but mm-hmm. it really just requires watching. And it's yeah. just like you were transported there. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this I mean, this is in America and it really is a whole nother world. Mm. When you were at your lowest in that situation, like imagine like I talk about the lowest I've ever been, which was Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, even New Year's Eve, where I was by myself. I had you know, been an active duty special forces team sergeant. I was making really good money. And then I didn't have any of that. And I was by myself and had nothing. It's like I had a how, it's like I'd lived this life and reached a pinnacle and then plummeted down to the darkest I've ever, ever been. Where, you know, I was on an air, I wasn't even on an air mattress. I was on an air mat, you know, like a camping mat. I had a tent set up in my, my bedroom inside of my apartment. And I was literally had a bottle of wine that I completely chugged. It was on the floor. The worst, the bottom of my life. And somehow had to pick myself up from that. Yoga actually helped me in that, in that situation. But thinking back to the moments where you were at your, very bottom. How did you want, manage to pick yourself up? Um, so I got a, I got an email that, uh, was, uh, let's see, this sounds a little dramatic, but there's really no other way to say it. It just kind of destroyed me a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was, um, some of the hardest stuff I've ever read. And, um, I, it was in the morning before, like, I think I was planning to, like, go to the gym, and then I was off to work and things like that, and it just, like, in Parker had already left for work, and I, like, couldn't see straight. I was just like, I don't, like, I don't know how I'm going to do today. I don't know how to do life at this point, like, um... And this is an email from a loved one. Yeah, somebody, uh, somebody super close, and, um, uh, we had a dog we were working with, um, uh, Timber, and he wasn't supposed to be up on the bed and we had been you know super strict with that and I just told him to get up on the bed he wasn't a cuddly dog by a long shot and he just like laid with me and I just sobbed um and I had to get up like it wasn't it wasn't really a choice it was like I I had to get to work and like I had a dog that needed to be fed and like things like that. And so I just kind of put one foot in front of the next and did it. Um, and later on in the day, like after work, I called my therapist and I was like, I, like, I, I 
I don't know if you can see me today or if you can see me tomorrow, but I have no idea what to do with this. And um, I don't know what to do, period. Um, and so that was really helpful. And, um, you know, a lot of people like to talk to a lot of people about what's going on in their life and get, a, you know, advice from a lot of people. And I, I'm not a big fan of that. I feel like everybody has an opinion and there are, this doesn't sound great, but there are very, there are a few people whose opinions I really value. And those are the only people who I'm going to ask advice for. Um, and so, and this was something that I, I didn't even want to be dealing with, never mind, like actually talk to people about. So, um, you know, I talked to Parker about it. I talked to my therapist about it. I think I talked to one other person about it. And, um, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. I just kept focusing on the next thing I needed to do and each task at hand. And, um, I really struggled to keep it together. Um, and there were times I didn't, and that just had to be okay that I just needed to cry. And that was okay. Cause it felt like almost like I was kind of like, again, it sounds dramatic, but almost like, like mourning a relationship. It's, it's like, exactly okay, mourning. Yeah. This person is still alive and we no longer have a relationship and it's, it's devastating. And, um, and so, you know, I made sure to continue going to the gym, which was the last thing I wanted to do, but, um, it keeps me sane. Yeah. Um, and trying to eat like relatively healthy. And then I remember Parker and I actually had a conversation. We were, um, we were house sitting and I was really struggling with all of it and struggling with who I was and the fact that like I had felt like I had all these wonderful people in my life. And I was like, is, is this true? Like, is this person, these people think I am like, is that, is that who I really am? Or the person that was written out that this email, like, is that who I really am? Like, am I, am questioning I questioning your own identity? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I remember Parker saying, Paige, do you think people like Joan and Mike would give somebody the time of day who they, they didn't think highly of? Like, do you think they would take time out of their day to help somebody and really give a shit about somebody who was a terrible person? It's like, no. It's like, okay, so, so I don't think you see yourself clearly at all. We had a long conversation about it and that, that made definitely made a big difference and then just keeping going it's like you know talking to people who actually care talking to people who've been through things and who are going to be honest with you talking to you talking to joan talking to parker um that's it just surrounding my people who, surrounding myself with people who really cared focusing on things that really matter to me things like this podcast things like um, training the dogs, that's, I just had to refocus and also be in therapy and be able to talk to somebody who, you know, I've through a number of things in my life, I have, uh, a really hard time trusting people. Um, and worrying that people are going to say things to other people and it's going to get turned around and things like that. Um, and so being in therapy and knowing that legally this person can't talk to anybody about anything made me feel super safe and made a huge difference. So I know there's, you know, very much a, uh, 
a stigma to being in therapy and I just I think that's stupid like I think if you're going through shit like do yourself a favor even if it's a hundred bucks an hour like do yourself a favor and make that call and have those conversations because it makes more of a difference than you could think so well that's great advice because a lot of people even for my community a lot of people think that it's a form of weakness a sign of weakness Mm -hmm to seek therapy and what people don't realize is, you know, a therapist can get down to the root of the problem and identify other people's ill intent and incentives. You know, people like the, the person who wrote that email to break you down had an agenda and their agenda and their insecurity was to break you down because they knew that if they broke you down, then they were winning, right? It's a game. It's a, it's a game of winning. And, you know, especially if they know you, the closer they are to you, the more they know how to exploit that. And so that's unfortunate. But what, what it tells me in the, in the sense that you knew to get therapy, you knew to get around people who loved you to communicate, get perspective. That's important. So many people insulate, like I'm an insulator. Like I like to hide away and not burden anybody. Cause I think burdening is communication when it's not. And the fact that you were able to maybe even slowly slow roll your community and your tribe and the small group of people around you to give you perspective, um, is courageous. Cause a lot of people don't do that. And, I, and for anybody who's listening to this podcast, uh, take that advice. The advice is it's going to be difficult. It is, it is literally morning, but when you go through that, you know, it's going to be a process and that you're going to climb one foot at a time outside of that uh, difficult time, but get friends, get family around you, get perspective and then uh, get therapy or get help, get in the gym. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. what you did to, to seek it. And also realize that I mean, nobody, I don't feel like, uh, well, I feel like very few people are genuinely bad people. Even in that email, like I, which really hurt. Like I, I know why, at least I like to think that the intentions behind it were good. And I know the person who wrote it is a genuinely good person. It's, which is, which is again, part of why I started this podcast, because it's like nothing is ever black and white, which I wish it was because I'd be like, no, you're a bad person and you only have ill intent and things like that, which is part of what's difficult about everything really in life is like seeing the shades of gray and Mm -hmm. realizing like nobody's just one thing. Like everybody's, everybody's trying to figure it out, but also to realize where you need to draw the line in the sand and just be like, this is, we're all figuring it out and this is okay. And this is not. And I'm going to go in this direction. Yeah. The, I mean, it, it seems like you found, you have found empathy in it. Um, but you're able to create those left and right limitations mm-hmm. and continue to move forward. Um, so your podcast, the deviation podcast is on what platforms? So it's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. Um, it's on Twitter. Um, you can listen to it either just through my website, deviationpodcast.com, which will link you up to SoundCloud and iTunes, which, you know, pretty, pretty easy to get to. Yeah, this is a, a unique podcast because I'm going to post this on my podcast because I'm going to steal your podcast and then you're going to post on yours. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was a great conversation. It Thank was amazing you. to hear your story. 
And I'm so proud of you and who you are as a person. You're one of my favorite friends and you're such a beautiful soul. And I love you very much. Um, I'm proud of you and everything that you've accomplished. Now I'm gonna start crying. I love you yeah. so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.